double elimination week. We're finally here. I say finally here as if we knew this was coming for a long time. We only knew it was coming for a week. But this was a big episode. Lots of moves made. Let's make our first move by introducing ourselves. I'm John Chidley Hill. And as always, I am Sheldon Alexander. And this is You Killed It, the podcast about the challenge. And we pick up, as usual, I love these episodes that are so self-contained. We pick up right where we left off. The mm-hmm. Holy Trinity, they're celebrating uh, Jenna's win. I love that like all three of them like grind against Anissa through plexiglass just because yeah. of the crazy layout of the bunker. And, and someone on Twitter, I saw someone tweet out, is this the future of clubbing? <laughs> <laughs> Social distance clubbing. Oof. Jeez. If that's the case, I don't want to go clubbing. I don't want that life. I don't want that life. <laughs> um, separately, Wes and Bananas echo what Corey said at the la- end of last episode, and that is, with Tori gone, it's time to get Jordan out of there. Yeah, and you kind of knew where this was coming. You knew this was coming, and and the thing is, it was a big episode for Bananas and Wes, obviously, as we'll get to, and there's a lot of strategy involved, and this is why we love this show so much, the strategy involved in how to make moves, and this season's been so good because you still have people on these sides, you know, and Kyle's the one that says it in his confessional. He says he doesn't want to throw himself in yet, And he's like, anyone who does is an idiot because they don't know what's going to happen. Now, I've been on the record on this pod already saying, hey, I wouldn't want to go in either because I know there's just more twists to come. But with that said, I'm not going to say if you don't want to go in, or if you do want to go in, you're an idiot because maybe you're just super confident in yourself. Yeah. So there's still two sides to this and i think that's what adds to the level of uh conflict and just competition and strategy of this season and as of now we still don't know which is right and which is wrong it's true i also think that so much is about put just like in life it's about putting yourself in a position to succeed yeah and if you're on a tribunal and there's a competition that you think you can win you should put yourself in. Like I know, totally. It, I know it blew up in his face, but what CT did, where he put himself in against Jay in a physical competition, mm-hmm. it made perfect sense. Yep. Like it, it was sound strategy, especially for a guy like CT, whose political game is so strong. He could probably, by both reputation and experience, he yeah. could probably could have coasted through and you know what it's interesting because there's still so many different sides to this in terms of you have jenna who i still to be honest have no idea if jenna actually wanted to go in or not do you know what i'm like wanted to win or not like i still really don't know like we're assuming that she like she won and we're seeing her but do we know that she really wanted to win i still don't really know if that makes sense but with Tori going home, Jordan obviously wants to go right in, and people are kind of happy to hear that news, or you know, happy to assume that as Wes and D are gonna prey on that, and they're talking about how nobody really likes Jordan, but people fear him, and Wes wants to get rid of him, but says he needs some help. But my thinking was, okay, cool, 
We saw Jordan last year in the exact same situation. Every week, people were trying to get him out, and they just couldn't. So I thought, you know, are you really going to take that chance again? Because maybe you might be the one that has to do it. And this proved to be a very interesting Jordan episode. I'll say this was an interesting episode all around. So many questions for you. But my first question for you. Okay. I have so many questions. What did I miss? What did I miss between Bear and Kayla? Because all of a sudden we get them smooching on the couch. Bears, I'm hearing a lot about the love word. Uh-huh. I'm hearing Bear talking about rainbows and unicorns, and he calls it the bunker of love. And I'm thinking, did I miss something? Did I miss a scene somewhere? Like, what was the prevailing thing that happened in the last episode that now has these two from, oh, we kissed in the bathroom to now we're just full on making out on the couch and I don't care about my boyfriend anymore. Did I miss something? I'm not sure. I mean, I alluded to it before, I guess, last episode of You Killed It. But at the same point that this was happening in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. if memory serves, there were there were some rumors about what Mikey, uh, Kayla's boyfriend, oh, was up to. Was up to. Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't know what was trickling back to her. We don't I know gotcha. uh, what their conversations were like. We don't know what Bear's conversations were like with his girlfriend. Because <laughs> he was also in a relationship. Not that there was any evidence of that. No. So, and also, like, you're bored. Mm-hmm. It's, like, an intense situation, an intense environment. and And also, for the young bucks out there... Just another reminder. Comedy always wins. Being mm-hmm. funny always wins. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's true. And <laughs> Kayla even says that. She says yeah. that if Bear was not here, I'd be totally miserable. He keeps me entertained. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it's also just like once you've like that first kiss, okay, we were super drunk. You can dismiss it. But once you have the second kiss, which I believe was sober or more sober, well then, like, what's to stop you from full on making out, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now like, it's real. Now it's a thing. Like, now it's just like, all right, might as well make it worth it. Yeah, at this point, you're not going to be <laughs> like, you're already going to have some tough conversations when you get home. Facts. Like, are you going to get in trouble? Then you might as well get like have fun on your way you know what i'm saying yeah it's just weird the the bunker of love i was just like all right bear sure um we know kayla likes bear we also know she doesn't like nelson (laughs) as always with this show they they set us up with what's happening or where the storylines are heading for the rest of the show at the very beginning and kayla talking about how she's gonna vote for nelson which was kind of obvious nelson hasn't really done himself a lot of favors and I mean, I think we'll save something nice to say about Nelson to the end of the episode because there's a lot of Nelson in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess and we I mean, have to. There's really only one nice thing we can say about Nelson in this episode, for sure. So we can keep going, and 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 because Nelson, 
Nelson had an all-around episode here, right? We know Nelson, we know Kayla doesn't like Nelson, he's probably going in, but then Nelson put up a very interesting <laughs> performance in the actual daily challenge. Right, let's describe that. <laughs> it's called Decontamination, okay. which I'm pretty sure was on one of the leftover sets from Enemy at the Gates. Uh, it's just a busted-up warehouse. Okay. And what they have to do is run through a room, a space, really, that mm -hmm. TJ describes at first is filled with, like, biochemical hazards. He's like, it's foam, which was, like, yep. a nice sell point. And Good then, uh, so they have to go through this, like, intense room filled with foam, get to a window, and then there's a sequence of lights that they have to memorize. Like, there's Jean-Luc Picard. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then they have to run back through the foam, and then they have these discs, which are probably just painted wood, if I had to guess, and sure. like stack them up uh, on these poles in the same order as the lights. So it's yes. essentially memorization. Yep. Mixed in with like a little like bungling through, like you're not going to run that fast through the foam, really. Yeah. Um, and first, the first group, I think what's notable. But there's, there's also something big, though, right? There's two. It's a oh, double elimination right. week. I skipped that part. You're right. That's it's a all double right. Double elimination for the men, which uh, is huge. More red skulls, which uh, also goes to the twist element that we we're talking about, right? Like, of course, these twists were coming. So there's, and again, it comes down to how you're looking at this season. It's either two chances for you to be eliminated, or two chances for you to get a skull. Yep. So that's huge, too. I love what Bear said here. He said, I don't want to see a, a single, let alone a double. <laughs> like, I'm not even sure he understood what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> Which is on brand. In the first, so they have to go in three heats. And from each heat, there's mm -hmm. a man and a woman wins. And then the best time among that group mm -hmm. makes the tribunal. Correct. The, the first group to go, notably, Corey, Maddie, and Swaggy decide that they're going to work together, where they're each going to memorize f like a section of five lights, mm -hmm. and then, like in their words, three minds are better than one. The problem yeah. with this is you have to memorize essentially seven lights because you have to know the light before like you have to count one two three four five and then mm -hmm. like memorize when your starts and i have a question for you and it's a serious one okay doesn't swaggy have a photographic memory why does he need people's help correct i also just think that the the whole nature of splitting it up doesn't really make much sense because you're totally relying on other people Right. And so you could be right. Heck, two of three of you could be right. But that one person could mess up the entire thing. And I would rather be wrong myself than be wrong because Corey was trying to write the first letter down on the, the, the plexiglass in front of him. And it's just like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. So, I mean, Wes working on his own, I always thought that just made sense anyways, because I, I, I even wrote down, what's the strategy here? And when the first strategy was Corey writing down the first letter of each color, 
And then um, him working with Maddie and Swaggy, I was like, that's definitely not the right strategy. No. This way too much, too many moving pieces. Like, you're not writing it down and still being able to see it. You can barely see anything in the foam. And so that doesn't even make sense. You're counting on others. As you said, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And, like, you know, I like Maddie. Not mm-hmm. sure how good her memorization is. I like Corey. I like Corey more and more. Mm-hmm. Not sure that I want to rely on his ability to memorize things. Yeah. Wes, Wes has, I have a question, though. What's, go ahead. Go I ahead. I know say, what Wes has say. what I think is my line of the episode. Okay. And this was a really funny episode in general. Like, there's a lot oh. of really good one-liners. Any episode sure. that features Kyle and Wes and Johnny prominently, you're going to get some, like, legit chirps i got takes i got takes but wes says this is a game of red skulls and i've got the biggest one of all (laughs) pointing at its red head yeah i love that it was it was pretty good it's not bad it was not bad i see where wes was going and it worked out perfectly because obviously like he won that heat and you know he said he loves seeing them try to pin their three brains or four brains to match his which was funny and you know again you're just working at your own pace you're working by yourself it's way easier in that sense so i wasn't really surprised wes was really was able to win that and i feel like there is a funny narrative between the people who were working by themselves and the people who were working in a group because even when we get to round two D and Rogan are working together, which Again, cool, whatever. <laughs> not not really rocket scientists. But I really want to talk about your man's Nelson, <laughs> <laughs> who disappears into the foam for a really long time, and all of a sudden, the thing I love the most about this show, and I'm not gonna lie, a part of this was ruined for me when we did work on the reality show way back in the day called Drafted. So I'm not, I don't want to ruin it for anyone else. But I'll say this. The cutaways are so good on this show. The reaction shots are so good. Like, just the coverage that they have of the cast watching everyone else is so good. So when they're making fun of Nelson, they're like, somebody go in and find Nelson. Where is he? <laughs> like, and, and Bananas is yelling, like, forget about the puzzle. Someone find Nelson. <laughs> and, and, like, they're just, like, laughing so hard. And... I was thinking, what is Nelson actually doing, right? Like, is he trying to memorize it? Is he, you know, is he lost? Is he stuck? Because you're hearing him cough over and over again. It was great editing. For a challenge that really wasn't that good, it was well done. Like, it was well edited. It was well, it was funny. It was humorous, right? But, John, what was Nelson actually doing? So, he did claim (laughs) that his strategy was, I'm just going to wait for other people, and then I'm going to copy off of them. Which is exactly what the dumb kid in class would say, like after an exam that went badly. You know what I mean? Where they're like, "Well, I didn't, I didn't study at all last night. I just played like Crazy Taxi on the Dreamcast." And, <laughs> and, and like, but like that wasn't their game plan going in. Their game plan was to do well, and then like they quickly got like out of their element and were like, yeah. "I know what I gotta do. I gotta cheat here," and. What I really think, they kept cutting to Nelson. I think he couldn't, like, figure out how to wipe the foam off of the glass. 
Because they kept cutting to him, and he was sort of like, he was like a little gerbil, like, trying to get at the glass. I think what happened was, I think he got foam on his goggles and okay. kept wiping the glass, not realizing that the issue was that he had foam on his goggles. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, again, there's a lot of things here we're going to go through this episode and say, here's what Nelson told us in the confessional. But here's why that doesn't make any sense, right? He's so, so. fucking stupid. Like, here's a, here's another question. Is Nelson the dumbest person in challenge history? No. No, no, no. I won't say that. I don't know who is, but I think Nelson's problem is he's always trying to put on a show. Which I get because, and that's what most people do. Like, that's what Wes is doing. That's what Bananas is doing. It's what a lot of people do when they come on the challenge, right? Like, they're trying to be on TV and they're trying to put on a show. Nelson's problem is he's trying to project a certain image and it's just not working. <laughs> right? And I remember one of my OGs in the industry would always tell me, and this is about broadcasting and being on air, right? He would always say, you have to figure out who you want to be on TV. Right. And then project that because everyone you're trying to be yourself, but at the same time, you're on TV. So there's an element, no matter what, of you putting something on. So you got to figure out who you are on TV. Add that now to reality television <laughs> and it's like multiplied on 100,000 trillion. And this is where we get Nelson, who's trying to do a little bit of everything. So he's trying to be the best competitor and tell everyone how hard he tries. And he he always gives 110%. And then he's also trying to be the bully who's bullying people in fights and winning every single argument. And then also trying to come off as the smartest person in the room. All of those things are incredibly difficult to do. So when my guy comes out and says his plan was to copy, to kill time in the foam, and then just copy everyone, makes very little sense. Because he also said that his plan was to copy everyone, and then remember, he only had to remember the last five colors. That was his game plan. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. Because you gotta come out now, and who are you copying? There's like five other people. Which also, person are you copying? Also, it takes like physical time to get the discs onto the pole so yeah. like those people have a head start while you're checking <laughs> right and you're exactly. assuming that they have it right exactly so it just like, doesn't make sense it's a dumb while you're play. catching up they're turning to tj and saying check please especially when you're in the room not paying attention <laughs> when you're like just like having some quiet time by yourself like, maybe I would have agreed with him if he wasn't in the foam, if he was standing back and not quite like bananas, which we'll get to in a sec. Mm -hmm. But if he was standing back at where, like, all the puzzle pieces were and he just stood there and was copying people, maybe then I'd be like, OK, this is a weird strategy, but it makes a little more sense. But he didn't do that. And I, you know what else he didn't do? He didn't that? win. No, Fessy <laughs> won the heat among the men. <laughs> Yeah, and then D just copies Fessy so that she wins for the women in round two. We should note, because we skipped over this, Maddie won for the women in the first heat. So it was Wes yes. and Maddie, then Correct. Fessy, and you just said their name. D. D. Yeah, Fessy and D in round two, which brings us to round three. And your man's bananas 
who says he's the king of spring break and he is he essentially invented the foam party <laughs> have you ever been to a foam party i have to admit i have not i have <laughs> i have but not really if that makes sense so sure. there was a club in toronto and if you're of a certain age and if you're of a certain age you remember a time where all clubs didn't play hip-hop music right like yep. <laughs> when we were coming up Clubs would be, you'd have like, it was all top 40 and like dumbass music. And then you'd have like a hip hop set. So basically you were just waiting around for this hip hop set to come on, right? The four hip hop sets that might come on throughout the entire night at the club. And that's what you were waiting for to get your fix of good music. So in Toronto, there's a club who, if you're of a certain age, you remember System Soundbar. Yes. System Soundbar had a Thursday night hip-hop party, which is legendary if you are of a certain age. That's how I define if you are actually from Toronto, like for real, for real, and if you're of a certain age. If you know of System Soundbar on Thursday nights. Anyways, System Soundbar on Wednesday nights, which like... I don't even know what it was called. There was some name for the Wednesday night party. But I just remember it was one of those nights where, you know, uh, we're bored. What are we going to do? What's open? Uh, I think Systems is open on Wednesday. Let's just go there. We walked in and it was a foam party. And it was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> and so you didn't actually like, we didn't actually like walk into said foam. But we took in what was going on. And it was very... I'll say interesting. I'll say that much. And even in, at that point, like my prime, like going out and partying, I was just like, nah, this is a bit too much. I feel like this is probably something that you need to be on heavy drugs to really enjoy this at its full, like the interest of being just stuck in the middle of foam wasn't really a thing that interests me. So I have been to a foam party before. Can't really say I stayed long. Can't really say I participated and like went into the foam. I, I remember. Oh, sorry. But shout out to System Soundbar. Shout out to System Soundbar. I was going to say, I remember some club like 2002, 2003. I was in like first year university bragging about how they're going to have the first ever foam party in Toronto. I want to say it was like <laughs> Joe or my apartment. To really Maybe. date ourselves, I remember here. those. I remember those plots. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was something That's like funny. that, and they were like very proud of themselves. And also, let's take a, a minute here to just pour one out virtually for Croc Rock, Crocodile Rock, which is closing <laughs> down forever thanks to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Oh, there's a lot of places underground closed down as well, which is like a legendary Toronto spot, especially if you are a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. Or even, I guess, like, hockey dudes. Back in the day, it was a, a hockey dude spot as well. Um, but, yeah. But we're coronavirus getting, taking out a lot of spots here. We're, we're, we're getting off topic talking about... Blame bananas. Blame bananas. Blame bananas, the inventor of the foam party. <laughs> Just like Vince Carter invented bottle service, right? That's right. Anyways, story for another day. Uh, uh, jo Johnny Bananas has a beautiful mind. And we've given okay. him credit for this in the past, mm -hmm. that maybe low-key Johnny Bananas' best gift as a competitor is he is good at figuring out how to game the daily challenges. He always finds a shortcut that's not breaking the rules, mm -hmm. but actually 
helps him or his teammates get through it more efficiently. I'll yeah. never forget there was, uh, I think it was Invasion of the Champions, where they were stuck in a box and they had to like scrape paint off to get the numbers to a combo, a uh, combination mm-hmm. lock. And after they got the first four, he's like, don't waste time scraping off the paint. It will be faster just to try all 10 possible numbers. And we'll yeah. just like check each one until yeah. the lock pops. Like he's just, he's so yeah, smart yeah. about this. And this might be his defining moment. I'm going to read a tweet from Lawrence Thomas. Okay. He says, the banana's ability to hack competitions is truly amazing. And then I'm going to save the second half of Lawrence's tweet for later. Okay. But what he does here is he goes into the foam because, you know, he has to commune with his invention. Mm-hmm. He comes out and then he like he places like the first five and he just stands there. And everyone's sort of like, what's Bananas doing? And people are running in and out and he's just standing there and watching. And he's not even like, he's not cheating. He's not looking at other people's stacks. Mm-hmm. He's just standing. What's our guy doing here, Sheldon? He's looking at the lights that he can see, like, from where he was standing, he could see the actual light reflecting off something else. So he didn't actually have to go into the foam because he could see it reflecting off the wall. And I got a bunch of questions here about this because, one, how is Bananas the only person that realized that you could do this? because it didn't look like the way that he pointed it because we don't really have a good frame of reference in terms of where he was like is he the furthest off to the side or not i don't think he was but for the person that is i guess it would make sense because obviously right off the bat once it starts you're in the phone yeah right so it's only once it's going you would have to be out of the foam while it's showing all the colors for you to actually notice that you can see it from the outside right mm-hmm. so the really the way that they this is the first time i've ever said this the way that they put together this game was flawed right like the producers fucked up yeah because in theory if everyone's in the foam right then you can't see that but if they made it so that the positioning of where you were putting together the puzzle was closer to the foam bin then the chances are you're not far enough away that you could see the reflection, right? You're still within the reach of the foam. So that was their first mistake. The one thing I will say, though, is I don't know if Bananas should have been crowned that victory because TJ says off the front end, he's like, you have to go into the foam. Now, I know that he went into the foam once, and so that's probably the gray area here, but it's still kind of fishy. I don't know if I would have found some kind of loophole if I was a judge, if I was a judge or one of the producers. I don't know if I would have found some form of loophole that would have been like, nah, I don't know. Or maybe I'm just salty because it's bananas. I'm probably salty. I'll be honest. What I think happened was so the people who are not competing were standing even further back on the warehouse floor, right? Yeah. And so I think that bananas noticed the reflection from way back there yeah and so he kept it in his mind ran to the foam and then when he got back to his spot you know maybe stacked the first five 
mm-hmm. and then like took a pause and was like, can I still see that from here? And then realized he could. And at first yeah. I thought that what he realized, they can see the foam, right? From their stacking area. Yeah. And so I wondered if he realized that through the foam, you could see like the like the foam carrying the light. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That the foam's translucent enough that it would carry the colored lights. Yeah. But instead, it was actually to the left. And what's interesting is, Bananas wasn't even the... He was basically dead center among like all the stacking like um, on the line. Mm-hmm. Whoever was further to the left would have had an even better view. Like he wasn't in the optimal spot to see this. Yeah, no, for sure. Right? There's other people who had a greater advantage, but they just. I, and I think this is one of the things about bananas, is he's so good at. Um, taking the broader view that he like in this case literally taking the broader view but i think a lot of people they get tunnel vision right they're like okay i gotta go into the foam thing and i gotta find the window whereas he's thinking in terms of like the entire building mm-hmm. right is there a reflection is there like another way around this is there a shortcut like he's always he's so experienced at this point he's always thinking about different ways to like crack this and find an advantage of some sort. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're right about the benefits of going last, oh, being yeah. the last group to go. It gave you more opportunities to kind of figure out what strategy worked best and also to figure out what strategy did not work. Like Anissa, Kayla, and Nani all trying to team up so they could help Kayla win so she could get in the tribunal and, and save Bear. <laughs> I love what I just don't understand at all I the loved, strategy. I loved what Anissa said where in confessional she's like, I immediately regretted this plan. <laughs> well, I just don't get it. Like, so why are you using I get that it's a guy's elimination week, but why are you using all your forces to help Bear? Like, is Bear alone gonna be able to help any of them? Right? Like it just made no sense. Like, what's the benefit to Nani and Anissa? To help Bear stay in the game. Made no sense to me. But also their strategy made no sense. So they lost. Yeah. And <laughs> Big T won. Big yeah. T won that heat. Bananas yeah. obviously won for the men in that heat. Yep. But the overall fastest time of the men was Wes. And the overall Correct. fastest time of the women was Maddie. Which is interesting because they were in the first heat. Like, I agree yeah. with what you said about the advantage of going last. But they were both in the first heat. Yep. Got it done. Maddie, I guess, with the help of Swaggy and Corey. Sure. Who's to say? Um, and Maddie and Wes decide to have bananas join them on the tribunal. Yeah. And Kyle said, it's like seeing your parents get divorced when you're young and then get back together much older. <laughs> it's pretty good. And Anissa also had a great comment where she said, sneaky motherfuckers, these two have something going on, but they're not telling us what it is. I mean, do you, like, <laughs> isn't it kind of obvious? <laughs> but, like, but, <laughs> some, like, there's a point, I forget when, but there's a point where Nelson looks genuinely surprised that they're on the same page, like, much later. Like, Nelson is still like, huh. Well, because they're playing coy and it's like 
it's not really working, but I guess it is on some people as, you know, Wes says, I've done a lot of things on the show, but there's one thing I haven't done and that's save bananas. And my question though, most importantly, is this, this appears to be a long-term partnership. Is this actually going to work? And by work, I mean, are one of them actually going to win this season? I mean, the next the next thing that they have to do, the next phase of their master plan, is they they got to get themselves some red skulls. Yeah. And like, I guess they're saving Kyle and Corey for that. Yeah, I don't know. Sure, I, mean, I have no and, idea and, what know, their game plan is. There was an allusion is. to that actually at one point. So, oh, like you're saying they're saving Kyle to go against Kyle in an elimination? Yeah, and they're saving Corey to go against in an elimination. That's interesting. It's interesting. I one thing I'm out on though are the duo confessionals. Oh yeah, I like Bananas and Wes. I really do. I think they're great personalities. I think they're great for the show. The combo confessionals are too much though. It was fine in the beginning, at the very beginning, cool. But as we keep going along with the season, it's like, okay, I get it. I I get it. You guys are working together. This is crazy. This is different. We never thought we'd be here. But, yeah. It's, it's, it's just too, me. It's, it's just me. It's too much for you, eh? It's just me. So, they have the... I love how TJ emphasizes that they're losers. They have the losers vote mm-hmm. on who's going to go in. They have to... Jordan suggests, let's do two rounds of voting. So we'll vote for the first person in, then we'll vote for the second person in. And the first person that goes in is Fassi, who mm-hmm. basically is like, hey, just so you know, guys, if you vote me in, I'm coming back. Yeah. And like, I got to say, Fassi has shown us something this season. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was talking about it before, right? Fessy on Big Brother. Obviously, the competitions are different. But there's still a competitive nature to it. And Fessy did really well on Big Brother. His problem was the game plan, right? And his strategies and, you know, his alliance. Even though he had a good alliance, but his gameplay was terrible. Um, I don't know if I said this or how in-depth I went on it, but his season of Big Brother, they had the numbers on their side. Mm -hmm. He kept winning challenges so they were head of household or someone from his side was the head of household and yet someone from their side kept getting voted out because they were getting blindsided by the house and they couldn't figure out who the rat was (laughs) and it was so obvious (laughs) but they just couldn't figure it out and after like the third or fourth week in a row that it happened when i guess it was either him or his girl's time to go home shouts to Haley, by the way big brother fans know what i'm talking about Um, But when it was, I can't remember which one of them, but it was obvious that they were going to go home. One of them was going to go home. And they have the moment of realization where they're just laying in bed and they're just like, we might be the worst big brother players ever. (laughs) Like, how did did people keep going home from our side when we were head of household? (laughs) And so I'm saying that just just to say Fessy is good at competitions, but he needs to work on his gameplay and his game planning. This right here, what he just did, I thought was a really good sign of game planning and strategy because he's telling people, listen, one, I'm not scared to go in. So I'm not telling you don't vote me in. If you think that's better for your game, cool, go ahead. 
but just know <laughs> that I'm going to come back. And I thought that was pretty gangster. And I like that. And I appreciate that from Fessy. I just thought that was a really good move. I liked it. And good strategy. He does get voted in. Mm-hmm. And then we have, and we should say, the first vote, the people that were getting votes are, um, I missed it, are Fessy and yep. Bear and Nelson. Yeah, Fessy, Bear, and Nelson. And Nelson, they'd, before the vote, they'd shown him campaigning to not get put in. He goes to both Anissa and Kayla and asks that they don't vote him in. Yeah. And they probably have cause, no, they definitely have cause, to dislike him the most of anyone in the house. And, like, well, Kayla even no, says, like, buddy, like, she doesn't say it to his face, but she's like, like, why would I, like, you were saying all sorts of terrible things about me last week. Like, why would I change my mind on you? <laughs> like... What are you talking about? Well, the bigger issue is, of course, Nelson. (laughs) Of course, Nelson, I'm laughing because I'm like trying to be I'm not trying to be nice, but I'm just trying to like see things from Nelson's point of view. And I really just can't. So here's the thing. Of course, you're not going to convince these girls to not vote for you anyways. Right. But even in this sorry ass attempt. What does Nelson actually say to them? Okay. Because again, in his confessional, he's like, all right, time to politic, time to politic. And he's trying to come off as if he's like the super confident, like master strategist. But let's break down what he actually says for his reasoning. Okay. As to why the girl should not vote for him. Yes. The same girls that he completely savaged just a week prior. So his first reason is. I try hard when it's a girl's elimination day. What? <laughs> like, who can, Cool. You try hard. Do you want a cookie? What does that mean? Whatever. Cool. His second reasoning is his word has never changed and he's never gone at them. His word has never changed in terms of who he's voting for and he's never gone at them. That's just a lie. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Like, he blatantly was trying to go at Jenna in them just last week. He was yelling at Kayla just last week. He said Anisha, Anissa was trying to throw the challenge on purpose, trying to blow up her game, which was false, but he was still trying to blow up her game just last week. So your second reason is just a lie. I just don't understand how... This was your strategy. I'm going to go convince them. And you couldn't come up with better reasons as to why they should save you than one, a lie, and two, that you try really hard on a girl's challenge day? Like, if Nelson was in their position, he wouldn't vote for Nelson. No, he definitely wouldn't. (laughs) Like, it made no sense. His pitch was terrible. And what I love is that there's a moment. So... Do you remember, I think it was the first episode, Kyle and CT are having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And CT says to Kyle, hey man, the thing you have to change about your game is you make promises to everyone. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when those promises are due, you get caught. And it, someone sure. gets mad and you get out. So yeah. Kyle, and it, it was a fair criticism. People have said this of Kyle in the past. So Kyle... 
And it's I'm, true. It is true. But Kyle is, has learned from his mistakes, it seems. Okay, we'll get to Kyle. We'll get to Kyle. But he seems to have learned from his mistakes. And when it's time for the second vote, mm-hmm. he says, he calls out Nelson. He's like, you promised me that you were going to take me to the final. And I don't see how you're going to do it. So, Nelson, I'm voting for you. And this so, he, like is like a dog whistle to everyone else who Nelson has promised. Mm-hmm. Well, like there's two, a couple things here. One, because I don't even think, I think Kyle got a lot of the blame. But it wasn't really Kyle that first opened Pandora's box. It was Jordan. Yeah. Right? And so, this was the thing here. I know that he ends up blaming Kyle and... It's not even really Kyle's fault. Because if you think about it, Kyle's just being honest. Because if I'm Kyle and I'm sitting there and I hear Jordan say, well, you know what? I'm a man of my word. And so I know everyone's probably going to vote for Nelson anyways. But I want everyone to know that I'm a man of my word. And because, Nelson, you said you weren't going to say my name, I wasn't going to say your name. I'm going to vote for myself. Which is a stand-up move by Jordan, but also a very smart, strategic move by Jordan. But he didn't even realize that when he said that, it makes sense that Kyle's like, wait a second, Nelson also said the same thing to me. And then you got a bunch of other people that are also going to sit around and think the exact same thing. So Kyle really gets a lot of the blame for this, but it was really Jordan that opened Pandora's box. And I don't understand why uh, Nelson really set his sights on Kyle more so than Jordan. I think he he's trying to beef down in uh-huh. Nelson's mind, right? He's yeah. beefing down because he's thinking, okay, well I can take I can take Kyle or at least in the like challenge hierarchy, who the fuck is Kyle? Yeah. And I think that's more what it was about. But no? it was I you make a good point. I just love the whole scene of one after the other, people saying like Nelson, you promised me, and then they would cut yeah. to like him whispering in someone's ear. Yeah. And at one point, Big T says that she was promised that he would take her to the end, and Jordan goes, "That's seven. <laughs> like yeah. you've promised seven yeah. people." And Corey in confessional is like, "I do not want to go down with the sinking ship. Like everyone knows that we're guys." That were buds, yeah. and like they're gonna think I'm in on this. Whereas Nelson is just like freestyling here, and I loved how Corey broke the tension when it's his turn to vote. He goes, "I was made promises," <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's a bone of contention here from Nelson, who says he plays the game from week to week. He never promised anyone he was taking them to the final, but which, okay, whatever. Even if that's true, which doesn't make sense. Jordan's still right. Like, you can't promise a bunch of people that you're not going to say their name because eventually you're going to have to say their name. And Nelson's just whole theory makes no sense because obviously all of those conversations did not happen week by week. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, Nelson knows that he's just caught and he should just, you know, shut up. Well, it's probably the best thing to do. He noted, but he just keeps digging a hole. I made too many promises to too many people. If it wasn't for Kyle, I would have gotten away with this strategy. Sounding like a Scooby-Doo villain. If it wasn't for those meddling kids. But that he, doesn't even make sense. He would have been caught out. And that's the thing. Yeah. Nelson never learns his lessons. 
He never mm-hmm. like learns how to respect women. He never learns to stop politicking. He never learns to stop wearing such loud prints on his shirts. Like he just never learned. It's just trying. It's trying to make it seem like he's the big dog on the show. Like, oh yeah, you should want to work with me, right? And it's like, mm, not really. No, you're pretty um, dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a bad strategy, and I just don't think it's true that if it wasn't for Kyle, he would have gotten away for it. I think that's just a lie. But anyways, speaking of he, bad strategy, we go to the club. They don't even yeah. really do the standard like arriving at the club scene. They're just suddenly at the club. Mm-hmm. And Nelson is drunkenly speaking to Melissa, one of Kyle's longtime best friends, yeah. arguably his closest friend in the house. Shouts to DJ Mel. DJ Mel, big episode here. Big episode. And she's he's saying like, oh, if it wasn't for Kyle, he's a piece of shit. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then suddenly... Nelson is, it, it seemed like a classic, like, you're going to the washroom and that guy that's mad at you, like, cuts you off. Mm-hmm. You know that scene? You ever yep, had that happen yep, to yep. you? Right, where they... It's not, not to me, no. Oh, it's happened to me. And they they want to, <laughs> okay. like, they want to get you when you're on your own, but they don't want people around and they don't want to like confront you in the bathroom so they like wait till you break off to go to the washroom and then suddenly they're in your way and they like okay they got things they want to get off their chest that was okay in my mind the scene and it's getting more and more heated and i guess what really crosses the line for kyle is nelson says for someone who's six feet tall you're the biggest pussy i've ever seen And then suddenly DJ Mel is in there because she's ride or die. Yep. She wants that smoke. If we remember, she got kicked off of a season for fighting. Was it Kayla? Yeah. Her and Kayla fought. And like she's ready to get it in. She was the second person in there. And it was different because Josh came in on some I'm going to half put my arm in to try to separate it. She came in and like gave Nelson like the shove like, yo, back up. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I like this. So, a couple things here. Nelson is trying to show up Kyle, because like, let's say this off the front end. This is a straight hold me back, like straight hold me back fight. None of these guys want to fight, right? No, they're trying to get in each other's faces and then hope that security comes and break it up so then they can still pretend like oh get off me get off me it's a straight as jalen rose says hold me back fight (laughs) so these guys don't want to fight what i will say though is when you call a dude a pussy i mean you're running the risk of you're doing that in this situation nelson is doing that because he knows kyle's not going to hit him Right. Because you're not doing that. If if there's a chance of you getting punched in the face, you're not doing that to a dude because I'm going back to we were talking about it. I saw recently it was within the week, the Rugnet Odor Jose Batista fight. Yeah. Remember? And we were talking about the anniversary of that. Yeah, was recently within the week. And we talked about the difference between you don't got to get ready when you stay ready. Mm -hmm. Right. In a normal situation, if you're calling a dude a pussy, you're ready. Right, like you're staying ready to fight because you know that that's fighting words right there, and you're saying that, and you're gonna fight. That's the next step. 
Nelson knows that Kyle doesn't want to fight, but Kyle also knows that Nelson doesn't want to fight. <laughs> so they're both just like in each other's faces. So my question is, I thought, what is Nelson actually trying to do here? And I think he was just trying to get Kyle, he's trying to get Kyle to hit him, but he should have known better. Like he knows Kyle won't hit him, so I think he was just trying to be like, I'm at least, I've looked bad in this whole entire episode. I'm at least going to try to win this argument. I'm at least going to try to get this one up on him by dissing him. That's going to be my victory in this episode because so far I've just been taking an L. I don't. That's what I think Nelson was trying to do. I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. I think Nelson was just fucking drunk and in his feelings and is an emotional guy and it like comes out as anger and nastiness and I think he would actually fought that. I I don't think he but like I don't think in general I don't think Nelson's a fighter. Like I can't imagine Nelson's ever actually been in a fight. No, I I won't say that. I won't say that. I think Nelson I think Nelson would fight. I think it's just in this situation because I think it's too much of a risk to run being super drunk and saying that to someone else. It's too much of a risk. I think he did that and he was calculated about the words that he was going to say and he's going to try to get, he's trying to either get the one up on Kyle being like, I'm calling you a pussy and you still won't punch me in the face. So you are a pussy. I think it was a calculated move by Nelson because if he really was going to fight, you just fight. You don't need to say all these words. You just say, you're a rat. I don't trust you. You're a bitch. And you fight. I also don't think Nelson was counting on DJ Mel throwing just a no. bomb at him when she <laughs> Definitely said, not. go back on Dr. Phil, you waste of space. Waste of space. Or as Toronto people would say, waste mans. <laughs> <laughs> just just a body blow from like five foot nothing DJ Mel. Is DJ Mel familiar with the Toronto slang? Do you think she listens to enough Drake to know what a waste man's is? I hope so. <laughs> I, I mean, she's a DJ. She must be listening to Drake at least from time True. to time. Um, I have to say the maturity <laughs> level between Corey and Nelson now is huge. Mm. Like when they both start coming on this show because they met on the challenge they were like on equal footing in my mind in terms of like what they brought to the table but Corey, i mean fatherhood has changed him for the better like he is so much more mature and pulled together loyal to his girlfriend uh, you don't see him acting up you don't see him pissing people off playing smart strategy like throughout the season you know he's been he was one of the first people to notice that things had changed between johnny and wes like he's seen the pieces moving across the board like Corey's having the best season he's ever had on the challenge and it's because he's grown up right and yeah it's, it's like such an interesting dynamic to see two friends and this happens all the time in real life where one person grows up faster than the other yeah, and I think maybe it's just a matter of Corey's other appearances on reality TV. Like, I think being on Teen Mom is more of a... It's a different... 
it's a different avenue, right? Like the challenge, you know, partying, hooking up with girls, getting into fights, whatever. That's like one realm of reality TV. Being on reality TV with your kid, right? And having to deal with some real life-ish, whether, you know, however scripted or not those shows are, whatever, that's a story for another day. But there's still at its core some realistic you know, there's a realism at its core to those shows. And the most real of it all is, hey, I'm doing this for money to take care of my family. So once you put that into perspective and bring that same mentality back to the challenge, you've no time for the shenanigans that you used to be, you know, focused on, right? Because Corey was Mr. Hookup with every girl on the show. These um, females. He was these females exactly and causing all this drama whereas nelson has turned into a bit of a waste man and yeah. you're on dr phil arguing about your relationship like that's kind of a level of bro what are you doing right so yeah nelson no idea what he's doing here but i will say he is right about kyle kyle is super bandwagon at the core of what nelson is saying who is kyle Kyle's not good at challenges. He's just floats every single season. He makes it to about the same point every single year before losing, which is when you have to actually pick a side or win an elimination. So who is Kyle? Like I, there's part of Nelson's argument here that I actually agree with. Like who is Kyle? With that said, shouts to DJ Mel. She's probably the winner of this whole thing. So, we get back to the bunker, and Big yes, T, we do. <laughs> Big T has had a lot to drink, mm -hmm. and she is, as far as I can tell, just an adorable drunk. She's explained yeah. to everyone in her room that she's a savage, yeah. <laughs> but as she's a savage, she's like taking off her shoes and her socks, and is being really messy. And Johnny <laughs> says to her. Um, savages are tidy and they're neat <laughs> trying to encourage her to like not make a mess yeah and she's like jumping on his back and like everyone's having a good time she gets like she turns that corner when she gets like a little mad when she's basically put to bed yeah. and because she's mad she gets out of bed and they'd given her a chair to help her climb into her because she for some reason they gave her the top bunk bed which is just rude for someone that small well, Fessy's on the bottom bunk, and to That's make true. Fessy have to like climb up there, and also Fessy might break that top bunk and That's like true. fall on Big T. That's it's another side of this, right? Fair point. So, in her effort to get down, she slices her toe <laughs> on the chair, and like <laughs> sort of gets back into the bunk. And Fessy looks, and there's just like blood gushing out of her toe. Yeah. And he's like, uh, this is not good. Like, we got to get you down there. Like, we like that. A Band-Aid's not going to fix that. They get her down. They try to put her feet up on the chair. And she says, blood makes you feel a bit fainty. <laughs> She's like, loopy. <laughs> not a, she starts to freak out when producers come. To, and, like, no one can, like, restrain her. DJ Mel's trying to get pants on her so they can take her to the hospital. But she's, like, trying to sit up to look at her foot. It's like a there's a lot there's a lot going on and i'll be honest with you i watched this scene maybe like five times because <laughs> i kept rewinding it because it was just hilarious there's so much going on because they're so playfully joking around at the beginning and it's just funny 
right? Because they're they're egging her on. Like, you know, when you have the person who's super drunk and you and everyone else is just kind of like egging that person on for their own amusement. That's what's happening when she like throws a shoe and and Jenny's like, she's like, everyone keeps saying that I need to be more savage. And now I am a savage. And they're like, and someone throws a sock at her. I don't know if anyone noticed that. But in the middle of her speech, when she's like, everyone thinks I'm a, sa- I'm a savage now. And they keep saying, why don't you be more savage? You see a sock like just fly and like hit her in the face, but it doesn't stop her momentum at all. She just keeps going. And she's like, I'm a civilized savage now, whatever that means. <laughs> and like bananas and Jenny are all laughing at her. And then Jenny's like, be careful, Big T, you're going to break the bed. And she's like, I don't give a fuck, Jenny. <laughs> like, For no reason. And then D's the one that yells something at her. And then I don't know if, now it's the drunken person like the the light switches from this is all fun and games and a joke to oh i gotta go get d i don't know what her intention was but as she's lying down there's so many just funny lines and they're all still like laughing like you mentioned mel trying to put on her pants and mel's laughing because mel says could someone get some fresh cotton pads and big t yells what fresh cotton pads <laughs> and the way that they cut it was so perfect because it's just like i don't know why fresh cotton pads freaked out big t but she doesn't know what's going on and she's losing it and i kept re-watching it because i'm watching everyone else just die with laughter and bananas is losing it Mel literally as she's trying to put on her pants because someone says I can see your butt now and they're like laughing so Mel's trying to like literally put on her pants and she has to start cracking up because someone else says Big T like you got a pretty bad cut you got to go to the hospital she's like what hospital she like keeps popping up it's like she's popping in and out of consciousness as she hears certain words I love my line of the episode is actually fresh cotton pads and it's just because of the way that big t said it It was so amazing i love how she how they cut it together jenny and kyle carry big t to the car that's going to take her to the hospital and they do that move where they like dump her into the car and have to quickly close the door before she tries to get it's like you're sending your your drunk friend home from the bar that's what it was like and they're just like they they like take a moment to like make sure she doesn't figure out how to get out like they're worried that like whoever's driving the car has to lock the door because like big t's gonna try to get out yeah um oh it was great so it was great the tribunal selects jordan kyle Corey, and bear and this is what i was alluding to earlier in the discussions between bananas wes and maddie in this scene Mm -hmm. uh Wes says, I look at Corey's elimination record. Mm-hmm. And I think what he's saying is, I think that Corey's vulnerable in eliminations. Okay. So I think that's, I think that's what he was alluding to. Uh, interesting. Like, I like that basically um, Bear is like, why am I here? And then... Uh, Wes basically just gives Kyle a hard time because, like, they're buds and, like, he thinks it's funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jordan basically asks to go in to the point that they're like, are you asking to go in? Like, can you please make this explicit for us? And he doesn't (laughs) quite say explicitly, but he 
basically says, I want to go in. And then Corey gets straight down into politicking. Like, he says to, like, Maddie, I'm going to start with you. Like, Mm -hmm. here's how I can help you out. And, like, is wheeling and dealing. So, a couple things here. One, someone on Twitter, I saw this last night. It wasn't a comment at us. I think it was just, like, a comment about the show. And someone said that Wes would rather just fuck with Kyle for 10 minutes then put in Josh to let him even consider that there's some form of rivalry that Josh actually matters or is a threat at all. Because there's really only a certain amount of people they could pick. And normally you would assume you're just going to pick the people you don't like. Yeah. And clearly Wes doesn't like Josh, but he doesn't even want to give him the glimmer of thinking that he's on his radar or he matters. So he'd rather just pick Kyle so that he can fuck with him and make jokes for 10 minutes. Well, he, Wes explicitly said to Josh, I'm never going to say your name. I am not yeah. coming for you. You are exactly the person I want to see in a final. That's probably who Wes and Bananas are saving to face in an elimination. Is for Josh. Sure. Totally. Right? But Josh is too fruit. dumb to realize that. Um, but the, there was a scene, though, of when they did put up who the four people were, and there's a shot at Josh, and he's like, oh, I'm relieved. I thought my name was going to get called for sure. <laughs> and I got so mad when I saw that. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, what doesn't this guy understand? Nobody is worried about you. Nobody. Nobody at all. You're going to make it far by default because people think they could beat you correctly. They think they could beat you in a final. Which is exactly how you won Big Brother. So just shut up and do the same thing again. <laughs> so we get to the uh, to Purgatory and it's Pole Wrestle, which mm-hmm. for those of you that don't remember, is a classic. It's like Hall Banger. Yeah, it's one of the go-tos. Um, and Wes and Johnny says like has made it clear all along that he had no intention of going in Wes said he might go in depending on what he sees down there yeah but as soon as he sees that it's uh (laughs) pole wrestle and they've got nelson and fessy down there as options (laughs) Wes is like no i'll take a pass which like is smart i would not want to face either fessy or nelson of course not in this um so Johnny gets the first vote. He looks at Wes, who nods, and is like, Jordan. And it's just across, across the board unanimous, Jordan yeah. going in against Fessy, mm-hmm. which is just a huge mismatch in Fessy's favor. Yeah. And then what I thought was interesting was I think for the first time ever, mm-hmm. we saw a split vote. On this, this season, show. you mean? Yeah, this season. I don't think we've ha- had a split vote yet for the tribunal. I don't remember. So, Wes votes for Bear, who is blindsided. Yep. And I use that word strongly because it's blindsided because that's a point of contention in a little bit. Yep. And then Johnny votes for Corey, mm-hmm. which I think is a smart move. Yep. And then Maddie votes for Bear. So Bear goes in against Nelson. 
Yeah, and the key point here is that Maddie, I think Johnny just did this to kind of try to save face with the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. Maddie, though, knew that she was going to do that because if you go back to what happened in the tribunal, she made the comment to Bear, you've basically drawn your line in the sand by teaming up with those girls, and I'm not a part of the Holy Trinity. So it kind of was there for you to see, okay, this might end up being bears you know last dance pardon the pun (laughs) but uh do you know what i mean so you kind of could see that but i think the bigger thing here is jordan being put in against fessy because obviously the bigger mismatch is fessy right fessy is oh yeah a huge giant he's a beast and they don't even blink to throw in jordan against fessy because they know chances are jordan has no chance And the one thing that I will say was super incredible about Jordan, I literally, not that I forgot, but I literally was like, oh yeah, Jordan only has one hand. Yeah. And it's such a testament to how much of a gangster he is on this show that I could, even for a moment's time, until he's about to go in an elimination against an absolute giant, that I look at it and I was like, oh yeah, he only has one hand. Like, that shows just how good of a competitor he is, and it's never really an excuse for him. It's never really thought of as a detriment to him at all. He never uses it as an excuse, and he's still one of the top male competitors in the history of the show. Forget about on this season. Mm -hmm. But it made me think for a second. I'm like, okay, so they picked, they did this on purpose. Are you cool with that move? When you say they, do you mean... Bananas and Wes. Are you okay with the fact that they blatantly put Jordan against Fessy knowing that he would have basically no chance against Fessy because Fessy's way bigger than him and Jordan only has one hand? I'm okay with it because I think Jordan's okay with it. Okay. And it's his opinion that matters. And he said uh, in confessional, he's like, since I started coming on this show... I've mm-hmm. wondered how I would do in pole wrestle. Yeah. He's like, so I've been thinking about this for years now. Yeah. And, and like, we talk all the time about wanting the smoke. Yeah. For all of Jordan's faults, and he can't. And be there a are dick, a lot. There are a lot of faults. I don't know that there's anyone that is as courageous as Jordan. He mm-hmm. always wants to smoke. As you said, he never makes excuses. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to his intelligence that he embraces the fact that he's disabled. Mm-hmm. And he knows that this is a vulnerability and does not back down from the challenge. And I, I don't mean that pun, but the fact that it, for years he's been like, okay, what if I do have to do pull a wrestle? What do I have to do? And like, he had a strategy. Yeah, totally. We've seen him win two eliminations that involved swinging a sledgehammer. We've seen him win a tug of war against Josh, who's also much bigger. Mm -hmm. He, like, I'm, like I said, I'm okay with it because Jordan's okay with it. And for sure. At no point does he say this is unfair. Like, they know that, like, I can't, like, I'm essentially. Uh, like, well, I am one-handed. And, like, he's, like, the 
at one point he says, and like when they're sizing up, he goes, okay, we both took an underhanded grip. Although, and Jordan uses the phrase bad hand to refer to his left hand. He says, so, but with my bad hand, I have to grip it with my wrist. <laughs> but like, he's thinking in terms of grip, like he has so put so much thought into this. So like I to get back to your question, I'm okay with it because Jordan's okay with it. And it also goes to show he has thought so much about this and he, as soon as the whistle or the air horn goes, he basically drops, try to put his whole weight behind it to rip it as quickly as possible out of Fessy's hands. Like he had a strategy going in. And I'm yeah. not sure it's a bad strategy against someone who's smaller and weaker than Fessy. It might have worked. You don't know. It would have worked against Josh, I think. Right? Yeah. Similarly so, bigger opponent, but who might not have been as ready as Fessy was. And Jordan shows, I thought, showed a lot of fight against Fessy. What was really the undoing is in the second um, round, I, I don't think through anyone's fault, Fessy lands on Jordan's shoulder and separated it. And it's clear that like and it's i should say the shoulder on jordan's good hand and he can't even like raise his shoulder up raise his hand up to grab the pole and like tj has to put his helmet back on for him and just like no quit in jordan like again i'm not saying he's the best guy in terms of personality but in terms of like competitive spirit i was so impressed with jordan in this moment yeah, so Jordan tweeted last night. He said, uh, this is the smartest move Bananas or Wes has made yet. Hashtag take the shot. So that kind of furthers your point in terms of Jordan being okay with it. But on top of that, you know, Jordan has a lot of terrible moments on this show where he's like just in his history being on the challenge right where he's a jackass where he's he's just being a, a massive huge prick. Right. So, like, I understand where Wes is coming from in terms of, you know, does he because at one point they have the confessional where Wes is talking about how does he feel bad? Maybe a little, but then he remembers how much of a prick Jordan is. Right. Yeah. So, OK. The one thing I will say about Jordan that I understand and you see that in the moment of his confessional where he breaks down is that Jordan in his mind, OK, and I'm going to reference this to the, the Jordan doc, obviously, just because it's fresh in my mind. There's a lot of people who were like, well, Michael Jordan didn't have to be such a jerk, right? He didn't have to be an asshole. Like, there's people who won without being such an asshole. And I understood that point, but it's like, cool, but that's not what worked for him, right? Yeah. Like, he's telling you that's what worked for him. Does everyone have to do that? No. In fact, Jordan even says that in the doc. You don't have to do that. You can do whatever works for you. This is what works for me. Jordan, the reason the comparison I'm making here is that to Jordan, to me, it seems like so much of his machismo and his like being a jackass on the show to me is overcompensating for the fact that he only has one hand. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is he's going to show you 
that he's so overconfident that he's not even giving you the opportunity to think less of him because he has one hand. And that's how he psychs himself up, but that's also how he looks at you as the opponent and doesn't give you the opportunity to think less of him. And I think it's such an interesting way to look at things. And it was, you know, to see him break down and cry like that in confessional was super interesting because it was like, oh, okay, this is a guy who obviously has dealt with a lot growing up and a lot of having to build himself up. And that's where a lot of this prick behavior comes from. It's that foolish, it's that uh, insecurity that he's overcoming, right? Which makes total sense. And so to see him even put up a fight against Fessy and when he hurts his shoulder, you could tell that obviously he shouldn't be competing still. But he had to give he had to give it a try. He wasn't gonna quit. And to him, not quitting was the win. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy and, and normally I'm not about moral victories, but the fact that he didn't quit, the fact that he put up the fight, I give him mad props for that. There's no shame in that at all. And that's the difference between what happened to Jay and what happened to, to Jordan. I think Jordan at least went out there and tried when he was hurt, as opposed to Jay, who kind of just like, I think Jay was kind of fading away from the smoke. I think um, I think it was Big T that made the point that Jordan, by all rights, could have stayed with the paramedics to get like mm -hmm. looked at and had to go to the hospital afterwards, but he insisted on coming back to watch Nelson versus Bear. And like at this yeah. point, he's out of the game. But yeah. he insisted on staying just out of respect for his fellow competitors. He doesn't even like Nelson right? yeah. and isn't particularly tight with Bear. But yeah. I think an important thing about Jordan on the challenges, one of the things I love about the challenges, it's a very diverse cast. Like if you're thinking in terms of representation, there are a lot of Hispanic people. There mm -hmm. are a lot of black people. There's a lot of mixed race people. They have had um, everyone uh, under the sun in terms of the LGBTQ spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. They have had a trans person. They've had two trans people, actually. Or they had a trans person and a non-binary person, excuse me. There's only been one disabled person on the show. And when Jordan is speaking in confessional directly to... Uh, other disabled people, specifically disabled kids, like I got Misty, right? And Jordan knows that he is potentially, and I'm sure it's true, but he's inspirational potentially mm -hmm. to disabled people. Yeah. So like he has the entire weight of a community on his shoulders on a very diverse show that has like, is does a great job of having uh, lots of representatives of different communities, but he's the only disabled person. And I think he takes that seriously and it shows in how he conducts himself. Even when he's a dick, like in terms of how he goes about the game, like actual gameplay moves and like his competitive spirit, his competitive drive, and also being respectful in some ways. Yeah. Like it really shows a lot about his character. And Tori yeah. um, on instagram i want to say said even when jordan loses he wins yeah and like i think it's a fair point for sure because literally as he was about to step up i was like oh yeah that's the moment that it came back into my head like oh yeah jordan only has one hand this isn't fair and 
I bring that up because I was looking at bananas during this and the cutaways bananas looked like he didn't really like he didn't really like this. No. He didn't feel I shouldn't say like he didn't feel comfortable with it. Like he felt bad, which I understand, but like, you know, at the end of the day, Jordan's okay with it and again, Tori is right. The greater good here, the greater message here is that Jordan was like, "Nope, I'm I can do everything that everyone else can. I'm going to give my all." And give my best and you know I probably would have liked or I'd be interested to see how that would go against someone that isn't fessy because to me as well that's kind of a good sign as as well because you know losing the fessy with two hands there's no shame in that right so obviously there's no shame for Jordan going down Um, but if we switch gears to bear Bear really didn't have much of a chance against Nelson either. No. Like, Nelson kind of made quick work of Bear, which wasn't that surprising to me. Like, going in, I thought, okay, this is easy work for Nelson. That's what I thought anyways. Yeah. Um, I was going to just go right to the Josh stuff. Yeah. as we sh- I don't think there's a lot to say beyond that. So, let's talk about Josh and Swaggy. So... Yeah, Josh hears from Swaggy while the whole Jordan is getting medical attention. You overhear a conversation between Josh and Swaggy where Swaggy is saying, oh, yeah, Bear was always the one going in. And Josh is like, really? Like, everyone was surprised. Nobody knew that. And Swaggy's like, yeah, Wes was saying all day he was saying that he was putting in Bear. So then Josh goes to the other girls to say that Swaggy has to be working with Wes. Right. Because Swaggy saying that, you know, Wes was saying all day that he was going to put him bare. Did you guys know that? So like this part, I'm like, okay, cool, Josh. Good, good work here. Good detective work. You're uncovering an alliance. Cool. But then Josh says, oh, man, Swaggy's got to go in next. I'm going to rally the house to put them both in next week. And it's like, hold on, bro. Who are you? (laughs) Like, Josh is going to, he's saying he's going to rally everyone against both of them. Who is Josh? Josh doesn't win challenges, right? I know he won a couple weeks ago, right? He won, what was the challenge Josh won a couple weeks ago when he was in the tribunal? Whatever that was. Okay, Josh, for the most part, doesn't win challenges. Yeah. Josh is not one of the leaders of the house. But most importantly, who are going to be this peop- these people that are going to follow Josh? Yeah. And That's what I want to know. So, someone who could have been an ally in that for him would have been Jordan, who's gone. Mm-hmm. Same with Tori. Who is he going to, in the house, rally? Also, notably, it's... Not a guy's elimination next week. It's a girl's elimination. For sure. And if you're doing the math, Wes has on his side, he has, if Josh has any sort of insight, Johnny. He has D. He has, to Josh's credit, he did uncover Swaggy and Bailey. Mm -hmm. And also... Kyle. Kyle. Johnny has Nani's loyalty. D Which has Rogan's loyalty. Like, yeah. Who is there to so flip? He's gonna. And I mean, 
it's interesting because I think that Johnny and Wes are in a good position, but I think where they messed up here is putting in Bear. Yeah. The move was to put in Corey. It was to put in Corey. Someone tweeted because about that. Corey, Corey is a better player than Bear. Bear, even though you might think that uh, Corey is not as good in eliminations, he's just a better overall player than Bear. Bear is more of a non-factor, and I think you'd have a better chance of beating Bear in a final if it ever got to that point. Bear is not the one to worry about. But Corey now... With Nelson and Fessy. Like, you almost have to play this out ahead of time, right? Fessy's probably going to come back. Cool. Nelson is probably going to come back. So now you're empowering Nelson and Fessy with Corey. Now, if Josh's move here is to partner with those three and then get the Holy Trinity, hopefully, I don't know, that might be his plan. Jenny's a floater, who knows? That could be his plan. But the, the thing is... Fessy and those dudes are good at challenges. Yeah. Maybe not Nelson so much, but Fessy is good at competitions. Um, so that's an interesting play. I just think the better play would have been to make Corey and Nelson go at each other so that that way one of them are gone. And then Bear, whatever. Bear's not a threat. If anything, Bear could maybe be a vote for you. So we have some tweets about this. Lucas Wyatt asks... Or says, great business move by Wes and Bananas throwing Jordan in against Fessy. We agree. But shouldn't they have thrown in Corey against Nelson? I agree with you and Lucas that that's the move. Anytime yeah. you have the opportunity to put in two obvious alliance members against each other, you got to do that. Because then that yeah. alliance is down one. Um, and Lucas goes on to say, that way you get rid of at least one of the young bucks. Uh and then... The only thing I can think of is Johnny and Wes, much like Maddie, didn't like the fact that Bear seemed to have all those girls trying to help him. Yeah. That might be the only thing I could think of, but... Yep. Whereas all those girls aren't probably going to help Nelson or Corey. And then Unbent Flow asks, does Josh chasing Swaggy make sense? Nope. Of course Wes, not. Wes went out of his way to not pick Josh today, yet Josh still tries to make fetch happen, which is a very funny way of putting it. Why not just go for Wes? Is it just yet another emotional response because he feels like some big brother peers aren't with him? It is an emotional response because that's how Josh uh, uh, operates. Um, See, I kind of go the other way. I think he's trying to use Swaggy to get at Wes, right? So he's trying to, he's still holding on to this rivalry with Wes, but in this instance, he's going to use Swaggy to do it and be like, oh, they're hiding an alliance. You're really working with these guys and no one's supposed to know. So I'm going to blow up your game, Wes. You think you're a mastermind, but I'm going to blow up your game. That's what I think he's thinking. And, you know, in the next week on, we see it appears that something happens between Swaggy and Josh. So who knows how that plays out, but we're about to find out. And either way, I'm sure Josh makes the wrong move because, yeah, he's Josh. I think you can bet on that. Um, I, can't, I don't want to speak for you, but can I assume the nice thing that we're going to say about Nelson this week is that he won? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I have in my notes... 
God, I hate Nelson. In his post-win speech, he mixes so many metaphors. Like, he's such an idiot. He's so disrespectful. But I will say, he is good at eliminations. He's now, I think it's 8-1-1. One, and one. He's second all-time. So, mm-hmm. that's the nice thing we'll say about Nelson. Uh, we've both done our lines of the episode. But, who killed it for you this week? So, this is going to sound crazy. And... You know, this might sound a little crazy, but it's actually Nelson. Nelson had an MVP type performance this week, even though he fucked up and his game got exposed. He was the MVP because it was sheer entertainment. Nelson's game blowing up in front of him was entertainment. Nelson thinking he had it. He had this great strategy (laughs) during the actual challenge was entertainment. (laughs) Nelson then going into a challenge and then dominating said elimination and i can't emphasize that enough dominating said elimination can't be mad at that at all and he improved as you mentioned his elimination uh record and i think someone sent it to us he's now second all time amongst the men in eliminations with most wins and eliminations and that's kind of a weird stat i think he's fifth all time overall but second in comparison to the guys i think wes is first but yeah it's kind of a weird stat because that also just means you're thrown into a lot a lot of eliminations because people don't like you (laughs) but if i say something one of the things i say the most on this challenge john is you can talk all the shit that you want if you win and nelson does talk a lot of shit but then in the elimination he backed it up. So if I'm going to say that about Jordan, I got to say the same thing about Nelson. At the end of the day, you still got to get him out. You still got to get him eliminated off the show. And at least for one week, Nelson, you killed it in this episode. Nelson talks grammatically incorrect shit, but I will allow that. Uh, just, <laughs> just the stats. So Steph says, Stephanie tagged us. In a tweet, uh, Nelson is now second all-time for male elimination wins with nine. Fifth individual to hit the mark. Uh, Camilla and Laurel are tied at nine. Kara has 13 and Wes has 14. Nelson is also the first player to win an elimination in six straight seasons. Laurel and Jordan did it for five straight seasons. And I'll say that for me, Fessy killed it. Fessy, I mean, I don't know Big Brother like you do. Fessy continues to play a solid political game. Fessy um, won an elimination. He now has his Red Skull. He had a good showing in the Daily Challenge. I don't know that Fessy, and to your point, he's sort of in an alliance with uh, Nelson and Corey, which got empowered by these eliminations. Fessy's in a good position now. I don't want to say to coast, but to easily make the final. And he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. He's a pretty good competitor. He's obviously a physical specimen. Like, I think he's in good shape to to go all the way. I'm not saying he's going to win the season. I'm just saying he's going to make it to the final. And that's really important. Uh, Where can the good people find you on social media? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And please, people, continue to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Get your peoples to watch the challenge because the show's just been great. And where this is going, I have no idea. But I've just been entertained so much so far. And I just want to keep spreading that love. <laughs> Until next week. Oh, I didn't even say where they can find me. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hill. And until next week, this was You Killed It. You killed it.